All right, good morning, man. Front row is a vibe this morning. They had a full mood on, and I got to tell you guys, if you think that's too much energy for church on a Sunday morning, this ain't the church for you, because we're going to keep bringing that level of excitement and celebration, because we can't help but celebrate what God has done for us through Jesus. Now listen, this is week two of our series called Crazy Faith. And over the next few weeks, what we hope to do is really strengthen your confidence in what God can do in your life. And just as importantly, maybe even more importantly, to give you the confidence of what God can do through you in the world around you. That's our goal. I told you last week, we're not talking about like normal, everyday, reasonable kind of faith. We're talking about crazy faith, you guys. The kind of faith that when you speak it out loud, everybody looks at you with side eye and they're like, Are they nuts or did they just say that out loud, okay? But I want you to remember the tagline for this series and that is, it's only crazy until it happens. It's only crazy until it happens. Listen, there are plenty of people in the Bible who uh, everyone said they were crazy until it happened. There are people in this room and you've experienced miracles and breakthroughs in your life and everybody told you you were crazy. It was never gonna happen until it did. And suddenly now you're not the crazy one, you're the one with crazy faith. I'm talking about the level of crazy faith that Noah had way back in Genesis chapter number six. You guys remember Noah's story? He gets a word from God and God says, all right, there's a giant flood coming. I want you to build a boat big enough for as many people and animals as we can possibly fit in there. And so by faith, Noah gets to building. Did you know Noah worked on that ark in his backyard for more than 50 years? 50 years your boy was building that boat, okay? Can you imagine the amount of gossip and ridicule that he must have experienced from the people around him? It must have been off the charts. Like, I think because we're so far removed from his story, and because, frankly, he turned out to be correct, right? He was, he was right in the end, that we lose just how nuts and insane he must have sounded to the people in his day. So I want to illustrate this in a different way that might help you to understand just how wild his faith actually was. Imagine I came to church next Sunday morning, and I said, guys, I have got a word from God. He has told me that there is an asteroid that is hurtling towards planet Earth. It is going to destroy life as we know it. And he is calling Connect Church to build a rocket ship that is going to take us to one of the moons of Saturn. And we are going to build a new colony in which humanity is going to survive. Who's given to that offering? You know what I'm saying? Like, let's raise a rocket ship offering. Nobody is involved. You guys would say, this is nuts. We would have like news stories about this crazy cult that's popped up in Calgary. Everybody would be writing about how insane we all are. And yet that is exactly the kind of faith that Noah exhibited in Genesis chapter number six. And as crazy as it is, I believe this is the kind of faith that God wants us to live by every single day. The kind of faith that says, hey, I don't know how it's gonna happen, but I believe God can make it happen, all right? Now, some of you are like, hey, Dan, this all sounds good. Like, honestly, it's, it, yeah, cool. I wish I had crazy faith, but I don't. I wanna believe God for miracles. I wanna have confidence that he can come through in any situation. He can turn anything around. I wanna have that level of faith. But if I'm honest, I just have trouble trusting God for like anything. 
I don't know why you people seem to have so much faith, but I just don't feel it. I'm afraid that I'm lacking or I'm low on faith. Maybe you aren't able to measure the amount of faith you actually have in your life, but you would say confidently, it ain't rocket ship level of faith, okay? I'm just not at that level. And I want you to know that that's okay. You're not alone. I wanna speak to you this morning. Maybe over the last week or this morning, you were out in the lobby and you went over to the crazy faith wall and you were reading the things that people wrote and you had a little voice in the back of your mind and that voice was saying, how come these people seem to have so much faith and you've got none? So in this message, I wanna speak to those of you guys who think the very idea of crazy faith is crazy. I wanna talk to those of you who wish you could have that kind of trust and confidence in God's power in your life, but you just struggle to. And I think the good news is, by the time we get done, you're gonna walk away confident of our bottom line, the single truth that I want you to leave this morning knowing, and that is that the key is not the amount of your faith, the key is the object of your faith. Okay? The key is not in the amount of your faith. The key is in the object. Who or what is my faith in? That is the key difference. So in order to help you understand this, I actually want to walk through a passage that happened in Matthew chapter number 17. This is an incident from the life of Jesus. And to set this up before we read a few verses together... Jesus had gathered these 12 disciples around him. He had more than that, but 12 were kind of his inner core. And uh, he commissioned them to go out and to teach all throughout the ancient Judean countryside and to heal people in his name. And so he would travel around and Jesus would teach and he would heal and the disciples were supposed to come along and do the same thing. Well, there's this one time in which a man brings his son to this gathering of Jesus and his disciples. You know, this like, I don't know, revival they were having or something, all right? And so he brings his son and he brings him to the disciples and he says, here's the problem. My son has a terrible case of epilepsy. He says, you know, the seizures just take over him and obviously epilepsy is dangerous in and of itself. But the guy says, my son seems to have his epileptic fits at the worst possible moments. I mean, there's no good moment to have a seizure, but these were particularly bad. He says, part of what happens is he'll have a seizure when he's near a body of water. Can you imagine standing out on a dock, having a seizure and falling into the lake? You can imagine how scary and dangerous that situation is. Where he says, there'll be times where we're all sitting around the campfire and he has a seizure and he falls into the campfire. And like you could imagine, the dad's worried that his kid is gonna be maimed or disfigured because of the flames, much less worried about whether or not he would survive because of the seizures. I'm sure this felt impossible. It felt so stressful and hurtful and uh, he was just at his wit's end. And so he's like, I don't know, maybe these guys can do something because nobody else has. So they bring the boy to the disciples And the disciples pray for the boy. They attempt to heal him. But the Bible says they fail spectacularly. Nothing happens. The boy isn't healed. I don't know if you've ever seen like a church service in which somebody's like trying to cast out a demon or heal somebody and nothing's happening and everybody's like, well, this is awkward. That's exactly what's going on here. They're just like again and again in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and nothing's happening, okay? So the dad gets frustrated And he pulls the first century equivalent of, let me speak to your manager, okay? (laughs) So they bring Jesus over. Jesus listens to the man's story. He speaks a word and instantaneously the boy is healed. Turns out that his particular affliction in this situation was caused by demonic oppression. So in Matthew chapter number 17, in verse number 19, the disciples ask Jesus the obvious question here. They ask him privately, why couldn't we cast out the demon? And Jesus responded, because you lack faith. 
I tell you the truth, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. So Jesus says that they're not experiencing the power of God because they have an issue with their faith. Now, what we're gonna learn this morning is that the issue with their faith is not what you think it is, okay? We'll talk about that in just a moment. He gives them this illustration, though, of a mustard seed. And this would have been very familiar to Jesus' followers. Everybody knew what mustard seeds were in the first century in the Middle East. But my guess is many of you don't have a pantry stocked full of mustard seeds at home today, okay? I'm guessing not. And so you may not be familiar with this object lesson that Jesus uses. So to help make sure that you understand what he's trying to communicate here, I have actually given every single one of you a mustard seed. It was taped to your chair. It may be like behind you, it might be stuck to your back. You might need a friend to help you grab it, but it's there. That little baggie contains a mustard seed. Now you're gonna notice a few things about this mustard seed. Number one, it is incredibly tiny, isn't it? Like you might actually have trouble seeing that little mustard seed in that bag. Speaking of bags, I think I'm probably on some RCMP watch list now for ordering like a ton of little baggies, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, if I threw that mustard seed at you as hard as I possibly could, you wouldn't even feel it. You would have no clue that it hit you because the mustard seed is so incredibly tiny. And Jesus tells the disciples here, if you had this much faith, you could move mountains. Now, let me tell you guys, and I'm just going to be honest because I think it's important that pastors are honest. When I read this passage, I do not feel encouraged. I feel like a failure. I'm just being real, you guys, 100%. I don't feel encouraged. I feel like a failure because I look at this tiny little seed and I say, wait, this is all it takes to move mountains, but there ain't mountains moving in my life. So what's the problem here? Maybe I don't even have that much faith. You know what I'm saying? I've never parted the sea like Moses did. I've never called fire down from heaven like Elijah did. I've never walked on water like Peter. I've never raised somebody from the dead like Paul. If this is all it takes to move mountains, how small, maybe even non-existent must my faith be? I feel worse having read the words of Jesus. Isn't it funny how like the enemy can use the words of Jesus against us sometimes? You know what I'm saying? Like I feel worse when in reality, I should feel better. These people in the Bible had crazy faith. I've got absentee faith. I don't even know where it is. It's not here because I'm not seeing mountains move day to day. But can I tell you what I've come to realize as I've studied this passage and truly every time for years and years and years when I read this verse, I felt like a failure. I just felt like I didn't measure up in some way. But this time, this message, God gave me a breakthrough. He really helped me to understand that I had been reading Jesus' words all wrong. I'd been misunderstanding them for like 20 years. See, one of the biggest mistakes that we can make is to worry about the amount of our faith rather than to focus on the object of our faith to get caught up in like, oh, well, if it's gonna take a mustard seed to move a mountain, do I have a mustard seed or not? How much faith do I have? Am I getting close or am I still miles and miles away? And I just get in my own head, maybe I'm the only one, but it's like, I don't know. I get the voice of, you know, maybe the enemy and he's like, listen, Dan, your miracle ain't coming, bro. It's not gonna happen. Why? Because you don't even have that much faith and you're never gonna have that much faith. So give up, this is your fault. Give up on the dream, stop praying, don't believe for it anymore because this is all it takes and you ain't even got that, bro. I feel that every single day. 
don't know if you do. Maybe it's just me and I've got some growing up to do. I don't know. But I often find myself worse, feeling bad, because I, I apparently can't even get this much faith. I can't muster <laughs> this much faith. Oh, I'm sorry, you guys. I didn't write that joke. That just occurred to me in the moment. I'm going to do that in the third service and see how they like it. Okay. One of the biggest mistakes we can make is to worry about the amount of our faith. Instead, we should focus on the object of our faith. Maybe we could phrase it like this. Miracles don't come from your faith. They come from your father. Miracles don't come from your faith. They come from your father. You may have been a part of some churches or you've seen heard some messages or whatever. And basically they communicated that if you are going to have God show up in some powerful way in your life, it's going to be because you had faith. And if God doesn't show up in some powerful way in your life, well, then basically it's your fault because you didn't even have this level of faith. You, okay, well, I got another one just for that exact reason. Uh, you, seriously, there are some Christians who will say, if you are experiencing sickness or a lack of something in your life, then it's because you don't have enough faith to believe for it. If you need a miracle and it doesn't come, that's on you. If you just had this much faith, then you could see it. But that is not what Jesus is communicating here. He is not trying to get you to worry about the amount of your faith. He is trying to get you to refocus on the object of your faith, your Father in heaven, the God of all creation who can do absolutely anything. See, the problem is, if we start worrying too much about our faith, do I have enough or do I not have enough? When is the breakthrough coming? How, how much more do I have to go? If we start getting our confidence from how much faith we have, then we are placing our faith in our faith instead of the Father. I know that's a silly sentence, but do you, are you with me here? We will start to believe that I am due this miracle, I am owed it because I have enough faith. Or if we don't experience God powerfully in our lives, then we'll say, oh, well, there's something wrong with me. I'm never gonna be like those people on the wall out there, those people in the scripture. But that's idolatry. Jesus would never get you to focus on your own faith. He would get you to focus on your father who moves by faith in our lives. See, this is why Jesus' illustration of the mustard seed and the mountain is so incredibly good, you guys. I love this. Please don't miss what Jesus is doing here. From our perspective, a mustard seed is minuscule and a mountain is massive. I have no problem moving a mustard seed, you guys. This is nothing. I'm not particularly the strongest guy in the world, but like I could curl this all day long. No trouble at all. I can move a mustard seed. But then I see things in life and they, they just look like mountains. How could I ever, what would I ever be able to do to move that mountain that, from here to there to overcome that level of problem or difficulty in my life? We look at this with the wrong perspective. See, if my faith is in me, I'll be able to do some things, but eventually I'm gonna hit my limit. Eventually there will be something that is too big, a mountain that I cannot overcome. But if my perspective is in God, then suddenly nothing is impossible. Why? Because God can move a mountain as easily as I can move a mustard seed. God can move a mountain as easily as I can move this little mustard seed. Are you guys with me? I don't know. Maybe I need to help a little bit more because this is way too good to you guys. Your debt is a mountain in your eyes. But to God, he's like, that's a mustard seed. That's not even six figures. You guys have no idea the, the numbers that I have helped people get free from. 
Your marital problems seem like a mountain. It's, it's too big. We are never gonna be able to get over this. How could we ever move past this? God says, guys, no. With my help, that's just a mustard seed. Your infertility seems like a permanent situation. God says, come on, are you kidding me? I made everybody. Like, I could help you out here. That is nothing but a mustard seed. Our sin debt is nothing but a mustard seed to God. What we see as impossible, God sees as child play. What we see as a mountain that we could never change God says, you guys, that's nothing but a mustard seed. So the key is not, I've got to develop my faith until there's as much as this little mustard seed. No, the key is, I'm going to start believing that to God, every one of my problems is a mustard seed. See, my faith is not in the amount of confidence I have. It's in the one who deserves my confidence. Stop measuring your faith. Start growing in your relationship with your father. Because the more you know God, the more confident you're going to be that he can and does do miraculous things all the time. You will be free from feeling like you're not good enough, like you don't have enough, you don't measure up. And instead, you will just trust the God who is able to do exceedingly above and beyond anything that we might ask or think. Let me give you another example here, a practical one. You might have noticed all of these to-go containers on the stage. If this is your first Sunday, these are not always here. They're just here today. Let's play a quick guessing game. I've got like a minute. I want you to shout this out. And if you get the closest without going over, I will give you one of our new water bottles, okay? So how many of these clamshell containers do you think are on the stage? Some of you are counting, but there's like ones hidden back here that you can't see. So closest without going over, how many do you think are on the stage? 86, way more. Keep going. A little less, a little less. Keep going. Okay, I heard somebody say 250 back there. If you said 250, whoever that was, grab your water bottle on the way out. There are 250 clamshell containers. Now, what is all that about? Okay, we were having a conversation in staff meeting and somebody brought up the fact that food insecurity is a major issue in the city of Calgary. That might surprise you because you're like, what? We live in a wealthy, affluent city. I mean, how could there be food insecurity? But the government tells us that across our province, 13% of children don't get the food that they need each and every week. 13% of our families are impacted by food insecurity. There was another study that was done and 21 or 22, I forget the exact number, percent of families said that purchasing groceries every month presented a major, a real burden for their household. So basically a quarter of everybody, it's hard for them to get the food that they need. That's wild. That's so unbelievable to me in the day that we live in. Now suppose that I went out there and I was reading the crazy faith wall, you know, the things that people are believing for. And I saw that somebody wrote down on that wall, connect church will end hunger in the province of Alberta. Again, if I'm honest, you guys, I'm like, hey, I really like the idea, um, but how? Like, that's a mountain. What, what could we possibly do? There are literally hundreds of thousands of people in our city that don't have enough food to eat, and we don't have enough resources to feed them, much less to feed them continuously. You might have seen there was like this big dust up on Twitter between Elon Musk and the UN a couple of weeks ago, and questions and arguments about what's it going to take to end world hunger. I don't know. It seems like too big of a problem for our little congregation. But you know what? We don't serve the God of impossible. We serve the God of possible. 
We don't serve a God who says, oh, that's a mountain that you will never move. Don't even bother trying. No, we serve a God who says, listen, even something as daunting as hunger in your city it's nothing more than a mustard seed. Like, honestly, you guys, if, if just the Christians in this city got serious, we could provide all the money that was needed to feed every single hungry person. Yes, I get it. Like, there's governmental issues and like people are homeless and they don't have enough food because of their own choices and blah, 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 blah. I get all that, okay? However, if we were serious, we could do it. Now, again, there's a part of me that's like, but that's a mountain, man. I mean, what are we ever going to do? But you know what? We had a conversation in staff meeting. We said, we are not going to treat this issue as if it were a mountain that was impossible to move. We're going to treat it like it really is just a mustard seed. And if we were to do our part and we trusted other people to do their part, God would show up and he could do something as dramatic as feeding people. So because of your generosity, Connect Church, this week we are partnering with Hope Mission and we are providing 250 meals to needy children in our city. I think that's amazing. You guys are like, ah, cool, 200, that's great. You know what? Come with me down to Hope Mission and watch those kids eat. And then tell me this ain't a big deal. Tell me that the church can't make a difference in somebody's life. Oh my gosh, you guys. We look at this stuff like it's a mountain and God says, please, would you just trust me? It's a tiny little mustard seed that we could move if we really wanted to. Okay, let's go back to the apostles. We're gonna wrap this up. Let's go back to the apostles for just a moment because we, we started this story in Matthew 17 with the 12 disciples and they just like publicly and embarrassingly failed to heal this young boy of his seizures. You remember that? Okay, that was Matthew 17. If we jump ahead in the Bible's timeline about 18 months, we get to Acts chapter number five. And I want you to look at what the scripture has to say in Acts chapter number five. It says, the apostles were performing many signs and wonders among the people. And as a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some as he went by. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. I don't even know what this means. I'm gonna be really honest with you. I don't even understand what the Bible is telling me here because it says that people were actually healed as Peter's shadow just passed them by. I don't know how I get to this level, okay? But I would love to just walk around and miracles are happening in my wake. You know what I mean? I don't even know they're there. But just because of the faith that I have in God who's able to do anything, miracles happen? Okay, anyway. I don't know, guys. I'm still wrestling with that one. What happened between Matthew 17, when the disciples were completely ineffective? They were faithless. They couldn't heal one little boy of one simple affliction. And then we get to Acts chapter number five, and suddenly their shadows are doing miracles on their behalf. (laughs) What happened? How did we get from there to here? I'll tell you what happened between Matthew 17 and Acts chapter number five. It's Matthew chapter 27, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. You see what I'm saying here? The disciples saw Jesus die on a cross. They saw him buried in a tomb. And three days later, they saw him rise from the dead. They saw God take the greatest mountain of all, our sin and our death, and move it as if it were no bigger 
and no more difficult than a tiny little mustard seed. You see God throw the biggest mountain out of the way, you start to believe he could take care of the little hills as well. You start to have faith and confidence that when your faith and confidence is in God, he can move mountains that would be impossible for you. If I gave you like a one cup scoop out of my kitchen and I said, I want you to go to Banff and I want you to move Mount Rundle. Just one scoop at a time, just go for it. You know, you'll get there someday. You could go forever and you would never see the job finished. But if instead your faith is in God, I know it sounds so ridiculous, you guys, but Jesus said, you could say to that mountain, be plucked up from here and placed over there and nothing would be impossible for you. So listen, if God can overcome death, if God can overcome all of our sin, all of our regrets, all of our mistakes and failures in life. If God can overcome that, he can take care of absolutely anything. So once again, I wanna challenge you guys not to focus on the size of your faith, focus on the size of your father. Focus on the size of the God that you serve because nothing is impossible with him. Okay, last bit. I'm gonna give you three practical things that you can do that'll help you move in that direction, okay? That will help you to better trust your father. First thing I want you to do is I want you to keep this mustard seed. It's in a little baggie. I want you to take it home. Be careful, don't leave it laying on your console if you get pulled over. But I want you to take this little baggie home and I want you to keep it. I'm gonna actually tape this to my bathroom mirror. Every morning, I'm gonna look at it and I'm gonna say, Dan, the things that seem like immovable mountains to you are nothing but mustard seeds to God. So don't sweat, don't fear, don't freak out today. Why? God's got it. It's no bigger than this to him. I want you to take this home. Don't worry, I've got a whole bunch more that we're gonna put out on seats for the third service. This is yours, take it home. Hey, the third thing I'm gonna encourage you, second thing I'm gonna encourage you to do is to go out there and write on the crazy faith wall this week. Some of you last week, you kind of made a hard write and you took off before you wrote anything. School, I told you you would have multiple opportunities. So here's your second one. I want you to take it. Go out there and write what you have crazy faith for. Remember what I said last week, it's no guarantee that you're gonna get it, but I just have a sense that God will meet some of these needs that we write on the wall. Now, um, some of you, I actually had a conversation with somebody and they said, hey, look, Dan, I went out there and I wrote some stuff on the wall, but before I got to my car, I realized I didn't write my real crazy faith prayer requests. I kind of wrote the safe stuff, stuff I wouldn't be embarrassed for people to see. It's not too late. Even if you've already written on the wall, go back and write again. Write the real stuff, the big crazy faith requests that you have. And then for those of you guys that have written on it, make sure that as God meets these needs, not if God meets them, but as he meets them in your life, go over there and mark them off, check them off, so that everybody else who happens to be reading the wall would say, ah, if he did it for you, he could do it for me. Eh? All right, and last one. I want you to remind yourself every single day. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. I fat fingered the keyboard. It says Matthew 29, 26. Somebody came up to me after the service and they're like, okay, pastor, there's no Matthew 29. You're right. It's Matthew 19, 26. Jesus says, with man, this would be impossible. It is a mountain you cannot move. You are out of luck, out of resources, out of hope if you're on your own. But with God, it's nothing but a mustard seed. All things are possible if your faith is in God and not in you.
Lord Jesus, I pray that your word would encourage and challenge us today. Lord, help us to have full confidence that you can do exceedingly and abundantly all that we could ever ask or imagine according to your goodness and mercy. Help us never to believe that it depends on us, but help us to believe that it always comes from you. And God, I just pray that we would be a church in which the miraculous happens time and time again so that people would know your presence is with us and your favor rests on us. We pray all this in Christ's name, amen. Oh, 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 oh,